This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. Hello, you're listening to the Politics Without the Boring Bits podcast, coming to you for the final time for a little while from me, Patrick Maguire. Matt Shawley is back on Monday and I've had quite the last day here on the pod. The Tories, of course, have lost two by-elections and we're bringing you everything you need to know on today's podcast about what it means for the government, what it means for Keir Starmer, what it means for Reform UK, Nigel Farage, everybody in British politics ahead of the next general election. This is a stunning victory for the Labour Party and must send a message from Northamptonshire to Downing Street. The work to give Kingswood its future back starts now. Midterm by-elections are always difficult for incumbent governments and the circumstances of these by-elections were, of course, particularly challenging. Now, I think if you look at the results, very low turnout and it shows that we've got work to do to show people that we are delivering on their priorities and that's what I'm absolutely determined to do, but also shows that there isn't a huge amount of enthusiasm for the alternative in Keir Starmer and the Labour Party and that's because they don't have a plan and if you don't have a plan, you can't deliver real change and when the general election comes, that's the message I'll be making to the country. We're very pleased with the by-election results from last night. I think it's very clear that people are crying out for change across the country. Last night, people who hadn't voted Labour before went out and voted Labour. So I'm very pleased with both of those results. But there is more work to do. There's a long way to go. First, we're going to hear from the Deputy Chairman of the Conservative Party and Tory MP, James Daly. Nothing to see here. This is, a, I think, two disappointing results, clearly, too. I'm always disappointed when Conservative candidates do not win any, any type of election. But in the um, Kingswood by-election, we had about 25,000 people who didn't vote. In the Wollongborough by-election, I think it was about 20,000 people who didn't vote. And it's those people who, who will decide the next general election. What makes you think that when they do come out, their conclusion will be different to those who have turned out, many of whom are now switching from the Conservatives to the Labour Party or from the Conservatives to Reform UK? Well, well, first of all, Party, what evidence have you got of any switches direct from Conservative to Labour? In that seats that were once held by the Conservatives are now held by the Labour Party on massive well, swings, James? Well, if you look at the... if You you know, we can get into the figures, and we're, we're all sort of our, our amateur sophologists in respect to this. 
But if you look at the the number of votes cast in both by-elections, certainly in the Kingswood by-election, mm. it's quite clear that the people who voted for Labour in 2019, plus perhaps some Liberal Democrats, have voted for them again today. You know, I can't I can't make any comment in respect to what Labour figures are telling you, Patrick. But certainly, one of the things that is absolutely categorically correct is that the Conservative campaigners in both by-elections were not finding any Conservative to Labour switches. There may well clearly have been some conservative to, to sorry conservative to reform, and that's something that the party will have to think about. But I think at the next election, certainly in terms of Wellingborough, it was, it was to, I was told in very clear terms that immigration was the number one issue for conservative voters. And I think that when conservative voters see what the impact of the deterrent of the Rwanda policy and the other policies we're putting in place as compared to open door immigration with the Labour Party, then I think we'll see a very different picture. So. I take your point, let's forget the Labour Party for a moment and focus on your voters. So, if your voters aren't turning out and some of them are voting for Reform UK, is, is, is that the answer? Give them sort of red meat on migration, stop the boats, and then you think that's the, that's the route to reuniting the coalition that got you elected in 2019 and getting Tory voters into the polling booths and getting your polling numbers back up again. I think that one of the, as you know, Patrick, one of the five pledges of the Prime Minister is to stop votes. Mm. You know, I think that the Prime Minister should be judged at the time of the next general election against those pledges. Um, and I think that, you know, the levels of immigration and the levels of people who have been coming into this country over the last couple of years have caused deep concern. And I think the party have reflected on that. I've now put in place the policies which are going to, as part of the wider economic plan that the Prime Minister has in place, are going to give people the reassurance that they need. There's only one leader with a plan. There's only one leader who is serious about tackling immigration. And that will be the straightforward choice. By-elections, like anything else, Patrick, it, 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 you know, we could discuss the numbers and, and you know, the, the swings and that. And I understand the point. You know, it's very important to, to take everything into, into account. But they're snapshots of a moment in time, the political wins, uh, you know, in time, in certain situations, in... The, the Wellingborough situation, we clearly had some very unusual circumstances with the way that the candidate, uh, the way that the recall procedure happened. And, you know, I, I think that me and you, Patrick, could be talking in a few weeks' time in respect to the Rochdale by-election and could be having a very different conversation regarding the Labour position. So these things are fluid. There are very different local events, uh, you know, local issues and local events that are influencing voters. But these are low turnout events where, if it were the case that there was this groundswell of public opinion that people wanted a Labour government, they would be doing, in terms of people actually getting off, you know, getting out of the House and voting for them, they'd be getting bigger numbers than they are. And the reason why they're not getting bigger numbers is because nobody's impressed with Keir Starmer. The people who voted in 2019 are still voting Labour, and there is a big mass of people in the middle, Conservative inclined, who are make, waiting to make up their minds, so that everything is in play for the general election. Why would they make up their minds for the Conservative Party, though, James? At every opportunity people anywhere in the country have, with a couple of exceptions, they end up either not turning out to vote for the Conservatives, or the people who do turn out are voting against you. Well, you know, the thesis is, Patrick, I said to you the, the numbers in respect to the two by-elections, 20 and 25,000. If the, if the case is, if it's a thesis, of, I mean, I'm sure this is not yourself, that those people, all of them, literally all of them, are going to stay at home, then, then there is something in respect of that. But those people are waiting to see who has the most compelling message. Now, it may well be a compelling message that you drop your main economic policy of $28 billion, have no plan as to how you're going to finance it, have no plan to tackle immigration, and flip-flop 60 times on different policies. 
I don't think that's going to be a very persuasive policy platform in which to go to the people of this country as compared to the Prime Minister, who, are one, as you know, just one example of that, through his actions, inflation has dropped from 11 to 4%. What do you say to colleagues who will be looking at today's results and thinking, I heard Simon Clark a couple of weeks ago call for Rishi Sunak to go, maybe that's a good idea if I want to be an MP after the next election. Well, I think the best, the best way to be an MP after the next election is to support our Prime Minister in terms of the plan that he has, the plan that he's delivering upon, and the, 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 the how can I put it, the, the new start that, 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 that the Prime Minister is going to give this country after some very difficult years following the pandemic. The Prime Minister has had to make very difficult decisions. In the last 12 months, he's taken those decisions which have addressed inflation, which was far, far too high. So we're going to have a prosperous future going forward. But the only way you can have that is with a competent leader who has a plan for the country. What about voters who would say, hang on, we've just fallen into a recession? Well, uh, this is a this is a worldwide phenomenon. You know, th th we actually had mm. growth in this country over the last 12 months, Patrick. Uh, in Germany, for example, there was uh, a retraction of the economy in the last four quarters. So there have been some very cha serious challenges for the global, well, certainly for the, for the European economy, stemming from the Ukraine, from the pandemic, and other challenges. But independent forecasters are saying that in the years to come, that the our economy is going to grow faster than the G7. That there are, you know, we've got the examples that since the pandemic, our economy has grown faster than economies such as France, Italy, and Japan. So all the evidence is there that the, the, the Conservative Party will deliver. Since 2010, we've had 4.1 million new jobs delivered in the economy we've got a good economic record to tell but the pandemic was a very you know serious economic event as we all know and we're still feeling the aftershocks of that now and so the prime minister has a plan he's delivered on halving inflation which is giving people more money in the pockets we're seeing interest rates fall and we're going to continue to see that so i think we're going by the time of the general election the message that the prime minister will have and his plan will be extremely compelling for those voters who didn't come out of these two by-elections and just before I let you go, James, time for a deal with Reform UK, Unite the Right, stop the sort of thing we saw last night happening again? All decisions in respect to matters such as that, Patrick, are for the Prime Minister. <laughs> that was James Daly, the Deputy Chairman of the Conservative Party, trying to convince us that it's not all bad for the Conservative Party. Not all is lost, apparently. I'll let you be the judge. Now, here's Liz Kendall, who, bizarrely enough, agrees with James Daly. She warns the Labour Party shouldn't be complacent. Well, these are, they're stunning result, results. Um, and I'm really proud of the way Keir Starmer has changed the Labour Party to get us to this position. I mean, I, I never thought that grim morning after the 2019 election that we would be in this situation. But, you know, I've been in, in politics, in and around politics for about 30 years now and I have learnt not to take your highs too high or your lows too low and one thing we do know about politics is that it can be very volatile. I think we've made huge progress but there is still a mountain to climb and the real test is yet to come and I am not, I mean, I'm not just saying that to manage expectations I really believe it because that's been my experience. So there's a long, hard slog still to go. But these really are, I think they're a testament, not just to how fed up people are with the Tories, which, which they are, but just how much Keir has done and how brilliant our candidates and the team were. Hats off to them all. Well, you can't climb much higher. You talk about a mountain. If that swing in Wellingborough was replicated across the country, the Tories have four seats left. Uh, yeah, but we're... Still, not quite away from a general 
election. And, you know, I, I think about the swing that we got uh, in 1997. I was working for the party then, mm. and that was huge. We've got to do get an even bigger swing than that. And we've got to do it at the time when people have had the hope kicked out of them by this government. And when, you know, they, they want change, but we've still got to, you know, build that trust that we can deliver. Now, I believe we can. I believe Keir's changed the party. He's shown that with real guts and determination. But we've got more to do now to, to show people we have a plan to put Britain back on the right track. So I am... I think these are amazing results for us. I'm not going to, I mean, I'm, I'm an MP in the East Midlands. You know, back in 97, we had 30 MPs, uh, Labour MPs in the East Midlands. Now we've got eight. A third of the seats, we've got, we've got over 20,000 Tory majority. You know, we, it is a huge, huge task. We are, but we are on the right track and we are going to work day and night to get there. I'm glad you mentioned having a plan to change the country, Liz, because that's the question people will be asking mm-hmm. now because, you know, you may, you may genuinely believe, I'm sure you do genuinely believe that elect- electorates are volatile. There's lots of evidence to suggest that. What could happen between now and a general election? Who knows? But let's work on the assumption that Labour are probably going to form the next government. On this evidence, it will be with a healthy majority. Can you look voters in the eye and say, we know exactly how we're going to handle government. We are ready for government. Are you ready for government? Because over the past couple of weeks, you know, you've had the 28 billion Mm -hmm. U-turn, the start of this week, the sort of confusion over the candidate in Rochdale and, and you know, the, the two days of confusion over that. On the front page of this morning's time, business uneasy about Labour's workers' rights policy. I mean, are you ready for government? That's the question now. Well, let me just say, I don't agree with your premise that we're going to get in, let's assume you have. But let's put that to one side, Patrick. <laughs> uh, you, can't, you can't, you know, blame me. No, 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 no. You're impeccably on message, you know, Liz. You're impeccably on message. Um, no, I actually, it's worse than that. I actually believe it. Um, As Tony said. But I, yeah, indeed. Um, so... On the economy, what what we desperately need, as Rachel Reeve said um, yesterday, is we need uh, stability. That's what businesses want, which is why we're so strong on the fiscal rules. We need investment, not just from uh, the public sector, but crucially from the private sector. And thirdly, we need reform, because what businesses say to me is they are desperate that we get people with the skills they need so that they can expand and thrive. We have a plan on all three. On the NHS, we have spelt out where we'll get the money from to have create two million more hospital appointments. We'll do that by scrapping the non-DOM tax status. I know lots of people say, oh, that's not big, bold and radical. I tell you what, two million more appointments in the NHS would make a huge difference. Mental health support in every school, breakfast clubs in every primary school where parents are struggling to go out to work. These things will make a concrete difference to people's lives. Now, It won't change everything we need to change overnight. But I think the public understands that you can't do everything you want immediately. You have to show a step-by-step plan. And let me come back to this point that you've just raised here about the change in in, uh, what we've said around uh, investment to create the clean energy jobs of the future. Mm. Keir was absolutely right to say when we announced the plan 
Interest rates were 0.1%. Now they're five and a quarter, and it is costing £70 billion more to service our debt. Not, not, not due to no small part because the Tories crashed the economy. The public knows they have had to change their plans if they're paying more on their mortgages and because of the cost of living and energy bills soaring. Now, household finances and the public finances is not always uh, a similar analogy, but or analogy, but on this it is. And he said to them, I am not going to promise the world and not to del- deliver. You've had enough of that over the last 14 years. And I am really proud he's had the guts to tell the truth to people The circumstances have changed. Our plan will change, but we still have something clear and specific we're going to do to create those new jobs in clean energy and to get your bills down. People deserve that. Honestly, I tell you what, in my surgeries, Patrick, I I cannot look my constituents in the eye with that the misery they are facing with their bills, with housing, not enough support to tackle crime. I am not going to say something to them that isn't true. They deserve better than that. And that is what Keir Starmer is doing to the country. Uh, And just finally, Liz, just if I can get your response to this morning's Times front page, don't rush to rewrite staff rights, Labour told. Businesses calling on Labour to rethink plans for a full-fat reform of employment laws, warning it could significantly increase costs and damage Britain's economic recovery. That's the package of scrapping zero-hours contracts, no bogus self-employment, making it easier for unions to go on strike and giving workers new rights to enhance sick pay and claim to unfair dismissal. Are you going to stick with that package? Is that a non-negotiable part of Labour's offer to the country and the people who turn up to your surgeries needing help? Yes, because we have here a partnership with business. I think that's what business really wants. They know we are working with them to secure the investment we need, for the jobs and the industries of the future, that there's stability there. We're working with them over the apprenticeship levy. But they also know that we want good, decent jobs for ordinary working people. And it is that partnership approach. You know, I I understand um, the way things are often discussed in Parliament and in the media is a sort of battle between one side or another. But businesses themselves know this is part of a a better deal, you know, backing business, backing workers to say, how do we create those good jobs that businesses need and that workers deserve? And they'll get that honest, straightforward approach from us. And from my perspective, Patrick, as shadow work and pension secretary, I need businesses to work with us to create jobs, Mm. but we also need to make sure that the quality of those jobs are good so people work and work more hours because that's what we need to help people make ends meet. That was Liz Kendall, Labour's Shadow Work and Pension Secretary, warning that it's not all in the bag for the Labour Party, but they are ready for government. Coming up, Richard Tice of Reform UK. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. It's been Reform UK's best set of by-elections yet. They denied the Tories' victory in Kingswood and replicated their polling numbers in Wellingborough. I spoke to their leader, Richard Tice. Well, we're delighted with this progress, our best two ever by-election results. It took UKIP about 18 years to get to 12%. Uh, We've achieved this in just under three years. And both candidates, Ben Habib in Wellingborough, Rupert Lowe in Kingswood, did an amazing job. And the Tories are absolutely terrified of the progress we are making. And and we're on the map now. The Lib Dems seem to have disappeared. And as far as we're concerned, it's onwards and upwards from here. There'll be people who are looking at your vote share, impressive though it is, and somehow wondering how you could be doing better. I mean, there are some polls, some national opinion polls, that show you doing even better than this. How are you going to kick on? Because even though you've had a good night, your best night yet, there will be people out there who say your poll numbers are still a bit of a mirage. What do you say to those people? Well, we've just proven that completely wrong because they were saying that we were polling at sort of 10, 11, 12, 13%, but we weren't getting that in the by-elections. Now we've got that in the by-elections. That completely uh, removes that concern. But yeah, sure, I'm ambitious like those who who say we we want to do better. We we all want to do better. I want to go uh, onwards and upwards from here. And we've got to keep working hard all the way through to the general election. And we say to people, this is not a one-term election project. This is a, a medium-term project. It's multi-elections. We want proportional representation so that we get fair representation in the House of Commons, something we actually share with the uh, the Liberal Democrats and a number of other parties. And we're putting forward very different policies from the two main parties. Both of them, frankly, represent forms of socialism, very high tax, high wasteful government spending, nanny state regulations, mass low-skilled immigration, and the multi-trillion cost of net zero, which all of which leads to, as I predicted at the beginning of January, uh, zero growth. In fact, we're now, we've slipped into recession, as I feared we would. You can't grow an economy with those burdens, and that's why the policies that we're putting forward, and we're putting forward some more a week on Saturday across the whole range of different uh, departments, will show what we need to do to get the country growing again. I don't doubt there'll be Tories in CCHQ, Conservative Campaign Headquarters and Number 10, looking at the Kingswood result in particular. Their candidate, Sam Bromley, won 34.9% of the vote. Rupert Lowe, your candidate, won 10.4% of the vote. The winning Labour candidate won 44.9% of the vote. I mean... You don't need a maths degree to work out that if you add the reform vote to the Conservative vote, which the Conservative candidate wins. And so if the Conservatives come to you. If Rishi Sunak rings you up and says, Richard, come on, it doesn't make any sense for the right to be split. We're handing this to Keir Starmer on a plate. 
let's do a deal. What is your message to Rishi Sunak if these results mean he's working uh, he up and say, smelling the coffee? Himself, my message is he can save himself a phone call. We did that back in 2019. The Tories promised that they would get things done, do the job properly, and they've let us down. They've betrayed us on multiple factors, uh, including rising taxes, wasteful government spending. They promised to take control of the borders, and they've done exactly the opposite. So, no, he can save himself a phone call. We're not doing any form of deals. We're putting forward very different policies to the Conservatives in a number of areas to the British people. And we'll be standing in 630 seats. We've got over 400 candidates already allocated, hundreds more going through the vetting process. So, yeah, we are. Uh, we're now, as as Nigel Farage says, we, we we're coming of age. We're pushing forward. No one's saying it's easy. Of course, it's not. Uh, it probably shouldn't be easy because we're talking about policies to how to to run and organise the country. But we've got a very strong, clear view of what needs to be done, and we're going to put it to the British people. As a true conservative, as I think you know, Reform UK would call them, call yourselves sort of the true conservatives of, of British politics. Do you really think? a term or two of Keir Starmer government is a price worth paying for the destruction of the Conservative Party. You know, Keir Starmer, if you look at these numbers, if the Wellingborough swing was replicated nationally, the Tories would be down to four seats. Surely you wouldn't want to see the Labour Party that dominant. Look, you can't reward failure with more incumbency. And the Tories, frankly, they, given what they've done to the country and breaking the country, they deserve to be punished. And I think they will be punished, and quite right too. Look, equally... Starmageddon is what I call the disaster that uh, the Labour will inflict on the country. And our policies, I believe, are the policies that will save Britain. So they're both forms of, the two main parties are forms, forms of socialism. High taxes, wasteful government spending, massive obsession with net zero, all of which will bankrupt the country. And I know it's your fate, Richard, in every interview to be asked about Nigel. But how do you think Nigel will look at these results? Will he say, think, well, that's job done, I can... I can concentrate on telly in America, or do you think, I'd like a bit of that, he'll be back? Look, I've been very clear and open about this. The more help that Nigel feels able to give, the better, because it's a massive job, all hands to the wheel. But look, Nigel's he's got a broadcasting career, you've obviously got the American election, so he's got an important decision to make. And uh, he's looking at these results, uh, he's already phoned me and said, you know, that's outstanding uh, in terms of rate of progress. Uh, so the more help you can give, great, but we're pushing on hard and we're putting forward a whole range of policies across a range of areas a week on Saturday that I think will interest a lot of people. And that's that's what one would expect in an election year. That was Richard Tice, leader of Reform UK. So what does this all mean? Who better to ask than Professor Sir John Curtis, the pollster's pollster. John, I believe you found what James Daly had to say a little amusing. Well, I mean, the claim that he couldn't find anybody who said that they voted Conservative in 2019 and now would vote Labour uh, makes me think very gently that either he wasn't listening or he wasn't trying hard enough. Um, it is true that for every one person who's going from Conservative to Labour, there is now one going from Conservative to Reform. And that is the, the signal change that's uh, happened in recent weeks and months. But um, not even I, who is not necessarily giving the Labour Party quite 10 out of 10 for its achievements, would want to suggest the Labour Party is not picking up votes from the Conservatives. The opinion polls all clearly make it clear that that is the case. And while it may be the case that uh, the rise in Labour's support in these by-elections is only around a half 
of the fall in Conservative support, it is at least a half of it, and that's actually pretty commensurate with the evidence that um, around a half of the lost Tory vote is going to the Labour Party. What explains the difference, John, between the swing in Wellingborough, which was very nearly the biggest to Labour in a by-election ever, and the slightly more modest but nonetheless pretty big swing in Kingswood? Well, um, at this point, Patrick, we're engaging in a bit of guesswork because um, we no don't necessarily know what's going to go on, what the causes of what happens in individual constituency. But of course, the circumstances under which the, the um, by-election was fought, which uh, the Prime Minister did refer to in his statement, were not exactly propitious. So Peter Bone, high-profile, well-known uh, MP, well with, with, uh, with beyond the confines of Wellingborough, uh, then we discover he um, uh, is uh, found to have bullied some of his staff, including allegedly exposing himself. So that was difficult. Now, in the meantime, of course, Mr. Bone has seemingly left his wife and he's now got a partner. And it was the partner who was the Conservative candidate in the by-election. Now, you can see why perhaps some Conservative voters are going, mm, I'm not quite sure whether I'm too happy about voting for this, particularly in the context of a, of a by-election. I mean, who knows? But clearly the locals, there, were, there were local aspects to this that were not to the Conservatives' vanish. Now, true, Chris Skidmore just resigned as the uh, MP for Kingswood and said he disagreed with the government on, on net zero. But one suspects that perhaps did not necessarily resonate with potential Conservative voters to the same degree as did what they learnt about Mr Bone. Tory MPs consoling themselves, as James Daly did, with... The fact that the low turnout, does that necessarily tell us anything beyond by-elections have low turnout, John? Well, Patrick, if I had a pound for every set of by-elections, at the end of which whichever party does badly said, ah, but the turnout was low, I would be a very rich person indeed. It is pretty much the standard excuse. And you might think that at some point politicians could succeed in uh, coming up with something somewhat more innovative. Now, it may be true. It may be true that the support for the Conservatives, you know, was went down more because of low turnout than was true of Labour. That, you know, more Conservative voters stayed out. And I, I'm, I'm happy to accept that as a possibility. But you then have to ask yourself, why? And what are you going to do to get them back? Because they're not suddenly guaranteed suddenly to come back, as Mr Daly uh, uh, seemed to think was the case. And actually, I think more broadly, there is a much bigger question than the turnout and whether or not how far it might explain the, the downfall of the Conservatives. We are now. We have now in this parliament, uh, on average, seen bigger falls in turnout since the general election than in any other previous post-war parliament. We're now running at even slightly higher figure, twenty-eight percent, than was true of the nineteen ninety-seven to two thousand and one parliament. What happened at the end of that parliament? Turnout fell to 59%, the lowest in a post-war uh, general election. I think all of our politicians have to ask themselves: Why is it? that undoubtedly what is a quite heavily discontented electorate, probably also a deeply pessimistic electorate, certainly about the economy, much concerned about the state of the health service. Why, why in those circumstances, it seems that many of them are asking themselves the question, is it worth voting for anybody at all? And I think that's a challenge, not just to the Conservatives. It's a challenge to Labour as well. It's a challenge to everybody. And just finally, and briefly, John, two parties whose fortunes will be hugely consequential at the next election, even if neither of them are going to win it. Reform UK had a good night by their standards. 
Lib Dems yep. had a bit of a shocker. What happened there? Well, to be honest, you know, the Lib Dems had a shocker because they're not trying in these kinds of constituencies. Um, and you know, maybe a little bit of their vote that had left voted tactically for Labour. I mean, the Liberal Democrats are betting the farm on being able to profit from the, uh, the Conservatives' electoral doldrums in the seats where the Liberal Democrats start off second. And these were no, neither of these were anything like uh, those uh, kinds of places. Reform, well, this is, in a sense, the other big story of these by-elections. And the one new thing about these by-elections is that the Reform were finally recording the kind of performance we might anticipate, giving their standing in the opinion polls, which, of course, has gone up recently. And again, this is the one of the reasons why, in a sense, things now look somewhat darker and more complicated for the Conservatives than they did before these by-elections, because now it looks as though the Conservatives are having a fight with reform for votes as well as with Labour. Oh, by the way, Mr Daly, when did this happen? When the Conservatives had already starting to be tough on immigration. It is not obvious that talking about immigration is the way to stop reform. That was Professor Sir John Curtis on what this all means. Spoiler alert, it's not necessarily good news for the Conservative Party. Who knew? Well, that's all we got time for on today's Politics Without the Boring Bits podcast. I've been Patrick Maguire. As ever, great to have your company. Matt Shawley will be back on Monday with a fantastic exit interview with Deanna Davidson. Didn't think we'd be saying that sentence in 2019, but there you go. You can listen to that on the Politics Without the Boring Bits podcast on Monday or tune in from 10am to hear it live on Times Radio. In the meantime, make sure you like, share, subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcast from and I'll speak to you soon. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.